Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoyed the message. We're in week two of our series, Dry Places. Um, last week I talked about uh, how God was in uh, the wilderness. And I talked about how God's in our dry places because the enemy wants you to think that he's not there. So I want you to understand that God is in your wilderness. God is in the dry seasons. It's just you don't feel him. That's the point. You don't feel him, but you can sense him in a spiritual level, in a spiritual sense. And I also talked about how, you know, some of us feel like, should I be in a dry place? Well, I said last week, if you're in a dry place, you're in the right place. So understand that your dry place is not wasted. I even talked about that in the beginning of tonight. Your dry place is important. It's very, very important because it's the way you develop and grow in your mature faith the most. The most. So last week I talked about Exodus 7, and I talked about how the Israelites, Moses, God was sending Moses to free the Israelites out of Egypt. And and the reason why he was doing that was obviously to take them them to the promised land, but he also wanted to take them into the wilderness. Last scripture I I read last week, it said that he brought them into the wilderness so that they may worship him. And I thought last week, why don't you just take them to the promised land? That would have been a lot easier. But I also said last week, if you don't, if you don't worship God in the wilderness, I don't believe we will worship God in the promised land. Because if everything's good and dandy, we really don't need God if everything's good and dandy. But when we're in trouble, that's when we need God the most. So, so now I want to jump all the way to Exodus 16. I brought, I brought my physical Bible. Who has a physical Bible in here? Nobody? Losers. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's okay. If you have the version Bible app, you're fine. Um, Exodus 16, and we have it on the screens as well if you, if you don't have it on your phone. Exodus 16, verse 1 through 5. This is my next segment. This, a bit of a recap. The Israelites got out of Egypt. Moses is walking them through the, through the wilderness, and it's been about two months that they have been in the wilderness. I want to read this to you from verse 1. Is it Exodus? Oh, I'm in Numbers. I'm sorry. Good Lord. I went all the way forward. Okay. Let me go all the way back to Exodus. Six tang. Okay. All right. Exodus six tang verse one through five. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, which was two months already, after they had come out of Egypt in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt and there We sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve and this entire assembly, which were the Israelites, to death. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be as twice as much as they gathered on the other days. So the Israelites pretty much were mad, pissed off, a little bit upset, because they were brought out of something that they had been in. Think about it. Getting out of something out of, you know, 430 years and getting into a place that you'd never known before for two months, that'll freak you out. That'll, that'll scare you. 
If you've been in something for that long, and some of the Israelites didn't even get to see their freedom. All they saw was the slavery, because that's, that's a long time. And so what they were realizing was that it seemed easier to go back to Egypt than it was to stay in the wilderness for two months, because it's all they knew. It's all they knew. And that's why I give grace to everyone in here who, who doesn't act like a Christian all the time. Because I want to tell you something right now. The reason, and, that, and here's the thing, the reason why people are like, oh, I can't, I can't hang out with that person. They're a, little, they're a little crazy, a little weird. They're a little uptight. They're a little, you know, they say stuff they shouldn't really be saying. Maybe that's all they know. Think about it. The Israelites, 430 years in slavery, and they had meat. They had house on, they had a roof over their head, yet they were enslaved, but it was normal to them. You cannot judge someone because, not because they're a bad person, but because it's normal to them. What is normal to you in the fact of that you've been enslaved for that long? Israelites were enslaved for that long to the point for even just two months they wanted to go back. They would rather die in the hands of Egypt, rather than be in the wilderness with nothing to be provided for. And all, some of us in here love Bible-thumping people and bashing other people for their behavior, when in reality, that's their normal. That's their normal. Your normal is different than somebody else's normal. Your spending habits is different from everybody else's spending habits. Your TikTok intake is different than everybody else's TikTok intake. It's all different. Your normal is different than everybody else's normal. That's why we need to extend grace. Because people's normal way of doing stuff is very different. Their normal might be weird to you. But your normal might be psychotic to somebody else. Think about it. The Israelites were used of meat and, 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 and nice food. But they were enslaved. And they had to realize that God wasn't taking them out of a great place. That was comfortable. That was nice. That was great. It met a need. It met a pleasure. It was there. But God took them into the dry place to bring them into something greater. So for the title of my message, I want to talk about God's provision tonight. I want to talk about God's provision in your dry season. And the title of tonight is Dry Bread. Dry Bread. Does anybody like dry bread? No? Dry bread. Hold on, hold on. Okay, let me explain. I'm sorry. I'm explaining. So like, No. That's for salad. When you eat, not a crouton, but when you eat like, like really stiff bread, stiff bread, who likes that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. No, not toast. No, no, no. Like if you leave the bread open for too long, like French, to- like French bread. It's stale. Oh. Y'all don't eat stale bread? <laughs> I'm glad y'all got that. <laughs> so, so, well, in, in general, nobody likes stale bread. <laughs> Raise your hand if you like stale bread. You have to eat it at least. What if it's all the food you got in your house, huh? What if, has your parents ever done this to you? Like, like for example... If, if like, if like it was, you know, stale bread, whatever, like, hey, mom, this stuff is stale. I can't eat that. That's disgusting. She, you know what she'll say? She'll say, kids in Africa don't have that. You know what she'll say that? And I'll be like, mom, stop. 
Let me, I don't want the bread. It's stale. You want me to get sick? No, the Africans get sick. You need to eat the bread. You need to eat the bread. No, I'm not eating the bread. I will not eat it. <laughs> but how many of y'all, y'all's parents done that? Oh, it, the people in Africa, it, it, you need to eat that, not waste it. Man, our parents making us suffer, bro. <laughs> They're making us suffer. Um, you know, there's been a lot of times in my life where, like, I've like you've had like the certain moment where like someone like like something had came in at like the right place at like the right time. You know, I've had like certain moments in my life like like when I'm feeling down, like I have someone to speak into my life at the right place at the right time. You know, like I have the, like those certain moments, like like. Like it's, I feel like it's the, it's the same thing with like superheroes. Who likes Marvel in this room? Raise your hand. DC? Oh, the black sheep. <laughs> the black sheep of the tribe. Don't worry. I like both. I'm, I'm not, I'm not one or the other. I mean, I love, I love Spider-Man, but I mean, I mean, I don't, y'all just like, uh, never mind. I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole nother debate. That's a whole nother debate. But, but like for superheroes, like they come into the right time, like, 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 let me give an example. My favorite superhero, Spider-Man. So, so he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? So he's going to do stuff in his friendly neighborhood. So he's going to go and save probably, like, a few people from a fire. Someone broke their leg, whatever. You know, there was a drug deal. He had to stop the criminals and stuff like that. He had to, you know, whatever. And, and he saves a civilian at the right place at the right time, right? He saves it at the nick of time, like, like at that, at that, at down to the dime of the dollar, and, and, and that's for, for some of us as well. Like, like I said, someone, when you're feeling down, someone can encourage you at the right place at the right time. And someone, maybe, maybe you felt broke this week and you felt like you couldn't go out and hang out with your friends, but one of your homies was like, bro, I got you. I'm going to pay for your food. And you're like, thank you. Thank you. Because you've wasted all your money. You're wasting all your money. I'm joking. But like, but like, but like they, at the right place at the right time, you know, it's, it's like that one moment where it's like, oh, they, they're going to provide the, you know, they're going to pay for my food even though I don't have any money. I need a job. <laughs> I need a job. More in a, um, like, like if I put it in a spiritual sense, there are times in our lives when, when God shows up and provides for us at the right time when we need it. Right place, right time. But for some of us in here, we can praise God when he provides. How many of y'all believe God's a provider? Raise your hand if you've seen God provide for you in your life. That's right. It could be a little thing. It could be a big thing. Whatever that is, God's provide. But sometimes it's hard to believe that God provides in a dry season. Because the enemy already has you in that thought process of like, oh, God's not with me. So that must mean that he doesn't provide for me. And, and I want you to know tonight, just like in, in Exodus 16, God provided bread for the Israelites, even though they were complaining. And they had every right. They were used to luxury, even though they were enslaved. And now they're in a wilderness, free, but they have no food or nowhere to sleep. So, so it makes sense that they would complain about it. Oh, God, there's no, there's no food. There's no, there's no house. There's no, there's no nothing. But, but I want to tell you this right now. God is going to provide for you in your dry season. But but this is what the enemy does. Last week I talked about how a dry season does two things. It can bring you closer to God. That was the first thing I said. And the second thing was that you can believe the lies of the enemy that God's not there. You can't experience his presence. You can't do this and that. Because it it's not you that's blocking God from you experiencing him. It's not 
Sometimes it's not just your situation that blocks God. Sometimes it's your lies that you tell yourself that blocks you from the experiencing God. Lies are barriers. They're strongholds. We think all this other stuff are strongholds. Lies are some of the biggest ones. Especially some that we've been heard, we've heard as kids, we've heard as teens now, some of us have heard even now as adults. We have, lies are the biggest barricades against experiencing a relationship with God or getting close with the Lord or experiencing His provision. And the question is, is that, I want to read this right. Do you believe that God will show up for you when you need him the most. Now, this is not just for people with dry seasons. This is people for regular seasons. Do you believe that that God will, will, will provide? And for some of us, I don't think some of us believe that because especially in a dry season, like I said, we can experience moments where we feel like everything's going wrong. And sometimes it's hard to believe that God will provide for us. And like I said, it's not just dry seasons. It's also hard seasons. It's also, it's also painful seasons that we go through that we're like, God's not going to provide. But, but I want to read this to you in scripture. And I believe the word of God can speak to your heart more than any other quote or, or any type of saying. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's truth. But I wonder if you believe that truth. Because it's truth. It's legit. That's what God, he meets all my needs. Paul said he meets all my needs to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's truth. The Bible says it's true. But the issue is, is that some of us don't believe that's true. That's why you can't see it in your life. It's not because God's not doing it. It's because you don't believe he can do it. That's what's stopping God's provision and his him providing needs in your life, not just material needs, but emotional needs, mental needs, any type of spiritual need you can think of, all those things. That's what's stopping God. Because, because God's always open when you're in a bad season, when you're in a good season, when you're in a victorious season, when you're in a heartbreaking season, when you're in all these different other places, God's always with you. But the only reason I believe God's with you is because your heart is humble towards him. God, God's arms is always close to a brokenhearted person. Always. But the one thing that God cannot step into is a heart that does this. God does, cannot enter a hardened heart. And that's what a dry season can do. It can cause us to do this. And it can cause us to be like, mm -mm, God's not going to do that in my life. He hasn't done it yet. Why would he do it now? I'm not going to believe that. And when you cross your heart like this, God's like, okay. Because he's not going to kick the door in and he's going to walk in. He's going to back up. Because it's your choice for God to do what he needs to do in your life. It's his, it's his decision. He's, all, he's sovereign. He's powerful. He can do it. But it's your choice to let him walk through it. It's all about choice. It's all about choice in your life. If you're deciding to open up your heart to God and open up your, these things to God, you have to be like this rather than this. This shows God, I need you. This shows where you at, boy. Where you at. This is how we act like sometimes with God. Because 
we will be like the Israelites where it's like, I'd rather die in the Lord's hand in Egypt. I'd rather die there. But, but Egypt's comfortable. Egypt's nice. They got food. They got, they got houses. They had to sleep in the, in the, in the dry grass. They had to sleep in all that. But it was so much better for them to stay in a wilderness and be free rather than stay in a place that was comfortable and it was going to eventually kill them. And that's what sin does. And that's what, that's what our insecurities do. That's what our habits do, is that it causes us to go back to Egypt when we're in a dry season. God teaches me two things, again, in a dry season. Number one, number one is that he's willing to provide if I believe it. But what it also does, like I said last week, there's always a con to it. God puts you in a dry season for a reason, but there is a con if you follow it. It'll cause you to go back to Egypt. It'll cause you to go back to stuff that's eventually killing you. I'm not going to be like, oh, you shouldn't go back to Egypt. Are you going to hell, boy? I ain't going to be like that. But what's that thing that's killing you that God's trying to take you away from in a dry season, but you keep going back to that same Egypt? Same Egypt. Well, you're going to hell, but <laughs> I'm joking. I don't want to mess up this moment. It's a holy moment. <laughs> um, you know, stuff is comfortable, man. You know, thinking thinking bad about yourself is is comfortable. Oh no, Jacob, I'm I'm I am rainbows and sunshines in this noggin. I'm pretty. I got a good mind, but. But for some of us, if you understand, sometimes our mind can go places and 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 because everything start before we ever make an action, before we ever create a feeling for ourselves, we think about it first. You don't just like someone because you feel the oozy goozy butterfly in the stomach thing. You think about them first. Think about that. If you trace that back, it's really cool. I learned it. If you go back. And realize, oh, oh, man, like, like I feel very comfortable in this area. It's because you thought about the area that you were in. It's you thinking it first, then you feel it, and then it causes you to have an action. I forgot what it, I forgot what it was called. Someone had told me what, what it was like the three C's of the mind, of the mind, physical, and then action. It was some. It was really cool the way she said it. It was really, really cool. It was, it was Miss Tina. She's like my mental coach. But, but, I, but she had made a list of, of, of stuff. And, and like I said, Egypt's comfortable. Egypt's nice. It's, it's great. It feels like Hawaii. But it's not Hawaii. <laughs> because the thing that could be feeling like Hawaii... <laughs> Could be feeling like that lava pit. That is there a lava thing in uh, a volcano in Hawaii? Okay, yeah, Maui. Okay, okay. Now I got my illustration. We love Hawaii, but if that volcano erupts, boy, y'all in trouble. I don't think they can get you out that quick. If that volcano, like, just imagine if it just erupted a lot in that one moment, because the place that you're comfortable with. And trust me, please go to Hawaii. I'm just, I'm just saying this as an illustration. Don't feel like you can't go because it's going to explode. But, but one of the things I want you to know is, is, that, is that the place that the Israelites were comfortable with, oh, I'd rather be in Egypt than, than the wilderness, it was the place that was genuinely going to keep them enslaved and keep them captive and keep them killed. It's comfortable. 
It's nice. It's great. But would you rather have something comfortable and kill you or rather go to a place that's a little bit more uncomfortable, but yet you're set free? Would you rather that? Or would you rather go back to the stuff that's killing you? It's not benefiting you. There's no reward in it. There's only shame afterwards. Would you rather that? It's comfortable, man. From the people I talk to, to the, to the, to the things in my own life, to the people I get, I have to see struggle with stuff. It's, it's Egypt's nice. It's nice. It's all, it's all nice. Those things meet needs. It's not because you're a bad person you go to Egypt. It's because it meets something in your life that only God can really fulfill. But we go to it anyways. We go to it anyways. Those all meet needs. To the littlest thing, your insecurities can probably be a safe place sometimes, even though it's something you don't like showing people. All these other things, these addictions we have are, 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 are nice and comfortable because it's an escape from reality of the pain that we deal with. It's, it's, the, it's the things that we go to, the people that we try to reach out to that are causing us to die inside. It's, okay, y'all don't believe me? Let me get more specific. We go to the addictions in our lives, whether it's drugs or pornography, we go to those things because it meets something. We go to sexual partners and think they meet something in our life when really it's just bringing more shame into our life. It's very quiet. Because we have learned that Egypt is better than the wilderness. Because that's the lie you believe. That's the lie you really believe. Is that that thing that you think is great, it's got the meat, it's got the food, it's got the... It's got the house is the place that you're enchained by and that you're in bondage to. When in reality, God brought you into the wilderness to provide and to set you free from that stuff. Maybe that's why some of us are in dry seasons right now, because God's taking you out of something that could have killed you. It could have murdered you, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Because shame will come in, guilt will come in, all this stuff will come in. Those needs create more damage than anything else. It can cause depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause medication for you to take that you did not mean to take, but it causes that. Egypt looks nice, but it brings damage into your life. And the Israelites really wanted that, but they didn't realize what was going to happen. Because people think being in bondage is horrible. Not in the first moment. You're getting fed. You're getting the pleasure of it. You're getting the greatness of it. But what will, it will do is it'll cause you to be enslaved for 400 years until Moses has to come get you out of where you're at. And I believe this picture of the Israelites is the perfect picture of how Jesus, like the picture of the gospel, God saw the Israelites, his people, in slavery, slave to sin. And he sent Moses, a.k.a. we can picture it like Jesus, he sent him to let Pharaoh, the enemy, his people go so that they can live in freedom. That's salvation. You being set free. But them wanting to go back to Egypt, that's sanctification. That's you being sanctified and thinking, I don't need that anymore. But they didn't realize that. They didn't realize God could provide. But because we don't wait on God to provide, we run to Egypt and we run to other things that don't satisfy.
God not only gave them food to eat, the food he gave them literally rained down from heaven. It didn't just come from a random place. It came down from heaven. If we're honest, it can be really hard to trust God to show up for us when everything in our life looks like he abandoned us. And, and like I said, I've been through dry seasons, but, but, but every time I couldn't see provision, I went to the stuff I shouldn't be going to. Not because, not because it sends me to hell, whatever, but, but, it, but it kills me. It, it disrupts everything else in my life, and it causes me to not have joy. It causes me to not be real with the people that I care about. It causes those things in my life. Where, where deep down inside, I feel like a fraud. But I'm trying my best to be good to other people. But in reality, I'm dying on the inside. That's what Egypt does. That's what sin does. That's what habits do. That's what dysfunctions do. They cause me to look great and smile on the outside. But deep down on the inside, I'm dying. And that's why God brought you into a dry season this week. Or God brought you into a dry season last month, whenever that was. Because maybe he was taking you something out that was killing you. Because I even talked about this last week. I talked about God's hand for a second. But I want to mention this to you because I saw this from a minister. Where God's hand's willing to provide. God's hand's willing to protect you. All this stuff. He's willing to do it. But the same hand that can provide is the same hand that can pull away and snatch things from you. Job said, blessed is the Lord that gives and takes away. God's capable of giving you stuff, but he's just as capable as taking something out of your life that's not good for you. He's, willing, he's capable to do that. When you think something's just it, God's like, uh-uh. Oh, this is, this is the stuff, Jesus. Uh-uh. No. Because you don't know what you need for you. But God truly knows what you need for you. But when we realize, when, when we, because we'll praise God when he provides. We praise God when he does stuff in our life. But do we still praise God when he pulls us out of a bad relationship? When he pulls us out, out of that addiction that we were so confined in and secure in? Are we willing to worship him when he pulls things out of our life that we thought we needed? Are we willing to do that? We're willing to praise God for the provision and the bread and the, all that stuff. But are we willing for him to pull stuff out of our lives that are killing us, but we can't see because we are too blinded by seeing that it's a bad thing? The Israelites thought it would have been better to remain slaves than, than to be in this dry place in their life. And they didn't realize God was using the dry place to teach him a very important lesson. He was teaching them that dry places teach you to rely on him for what you need. He's what you need, man. He's what you need. He's not some type of God that's just on, on, on a spot and he's going to bless you when he, when he sees you're doing a good job. He's not just going to bless you when, when he sees you trying to measure up. And trying to go to a standard. Because some of us are perfectionists in here. And we love setting a certain standard. God, I'm going to meet this goal. God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be better. But if you don't accept where you are. And stop realizing that the acceptance is not when you get here. But it's where you are right now. You will never grow. 
You will never grow to where God wants you to be if you don't accept where you are right here. Well, I don't know, Jakey. I don't know, Pastor Jakey. I, I've, <laughs> I'm gonna say my Jakey baking name. Jakey Bakey. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, man, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm accepted. I don't think I can accept myself, right? Cause it's hard to accept yourself. If you know who you are, what you have inside of you, you don't want, you, you, you're like, oh, Jacob, oh. you don't like yourself. And sometimes we can't accept that. But if we don't learn to accept, cause we're, we're taught to hate. We're taught to hate stuff in order to change. But what if, you need to be taught to accept who you are right now in order for you to change. I, I hated stuff about me. It's like this. It sounds really bad, and I shouldn't say this as a pastor, but, but you know how when you don't like someone, you're not going to talk to them, right? Right? You're not going to talk. Shh, shh, Hey, thank you. Pay attention. Shh. If, if you don't like someone, you're not going to talk to them. Think about it. Or you might just be one of those people that just rant at them and just get mad at them, right? <laughs> but, but if you're willing to accept them and try and figure out how to fix something, then there's change. Hate sometimes causes you to not change. Hating on yourself does not make you change. It makes you worse. It causes you to go down rather than to change and go up. I'm not saying for you to accept the sin that you're dealing with. I'm not telling you to accept, you know, the, 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 the behaviors you have. In time, you will learn to change. By the grace of God, you, you will learn to be more like Christ every day. It's a process. It's, it takes time. But what I want you to know right now is that, is that if you're not willing to accept yourself right now to change, then setting yourself a goal, you're never going to meet it. You are never going to meet that goal that you try to meet. It's going to take you accepting yourself now in order for you to change to get where God wants you to be. That's where he wants you at. And I believe that God can provide for everyone in here in a dry season, but maybe you haven't been seeing that in your life. And maybe it's not because that he can't provide. Maybe it's because you don't believe it and you don't receive that he can actually provide needs in your life that, that you might be finding in something else or someone else. But I want you to know tonight that God provides, and Paul said that he meets every need to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He meets needs. But to run to other stuff, and sometimes it's not just, you know, drugs and, and, and sex and all that. Maybe it's, maybe it's validation. Maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's having to be, maybe you have a, a, you're in a famine of not being noticed. Maybe you're, in, maybe you're in a dry season of just being like under the radar. And maybe that's causing some of your biggest Egypt problems. I want to show you something. If you've been worrying about how God's going to provide for you, I want to read Matthew 6, 25 through 26 as I end this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And isn't body, dropping phones everywhere, <laughs> body more than clothes. Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Watch this phrase I want you all to believe tonight. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than the birds in the sky? 
Oh uh, no, Jacob, I'm the scum of the earth. I am the trashiest trash. You're the Lord's trash, amen? <laughs> You're the Lord's trash. But, but if you look at yourself that way, and you hate yourself that way, because some of us believe that. We believe that, that, we're, not, that we're not good enough or we're not, or we're not measured up. But if God says you are, what makes you think you're not? If God says, aren't you more valuable than the birds, what makes you not? And some of us really believe that. Maybe someone has told us that. Maybe, maybe we've spoken that over ourselves. But I want you to know tonight that, that God accepts you for now, for here and now, in this moment. You don't have to make up a list of good Christian things to do with a thumbs up for God to accept you into heaven. You don't, you, yes, God strives you to be holy, but not to the point where you're trying to be a robot or you're trying to be someone that's, that you're not or trying to modify your behavior to the point where you're not even there yet. I, dude, I used to be worse than I am now. I used to be, I used to have the worst behavior as a kid and a teenager, but it took time. And it took it, and it took God at the right place and at the right time and in the right circumstance to change who I was. That's why I believe He takes us through dry seasons. Because it teaches us that we need to get out of Egypt. We need to get out of those places in our life that is destroying us and go into new places. Even though it's not comfortable, it has the most freedom in it. Dry seasons are not bad, but dry seasons are beneficial. Dry places give us an opportunity to rely on God in a totally new way. And in these moments, it builds our faith because God is showing up is our only option. I want you to apply this this week. Choose to trust that God will show up even when it seems like everything is going wrong. You can praise God when everything's going well, but but I want to challenge you this week. Praise God when stuff's going wrong. Praise God when your house is going crazy. Praise God when, you're, when your mind's are in a thousand places. I want you to praise God even in, a, even in a state when you're in a panic attack or an anxiety attack or any type of attack that the enemy has on you this week. I want you to praise God through it because he is the only, because I think we can, start, we can praise God in, 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 in the dark places because that's where he is. There's a book, it's called Draw Close to the Fire. And it talks about how God, we think God's in the prettiest, perfect places all the time. But God is in the dark places because that's where his fire shines the most in your life. But we need to believe that and ask God to meet us there because we're only asking God to meet us in the great places. But we will, I'm telling you, most of us do this because I do this. We don't run to God when things are going wrong. We only worship God when things go right. And God says, I want to be a God of your promised land and a God of your wilderness. I want to be a God of your bright place and a God of your quiet place, your dark place. I want to be the God of places that you show people, and I want to be a God of places that you don't show people. I want to be both places. But if you only give God your great spot, your, your, your good side, then you will never experience healing in your life because you're not giving God 
both sides of this dry season. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I need some keys, please. Some of us really do have a hard time relying on God to show up for us. We're like the Israelites where we're, where we're, it's okay to complain. It's okay to groan against God. Your feelings are valid, but to the point, if it's to the point where God, where you just keep going to God about it, but really he has something to change you, but you're not accepting it, then I don't think, I don't think we really want to change sometimes. But, but with everyone in here, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, Your life was created in the image of God. And God has created the steps for your life. Everyone in here has a purpose. But you can't live the purpose while living in Egypt. And I know, I know some of us in here have been complaining about the wilderness. There's no food. There's, no, there's nothing God's providing for me in this dry season. I know. But if you just wait, I, I, think, I feel like the Lord's saying, wait long enough. Wait a second longer for me to provide for you, and I will do it. I will come at the, at the nick of time, too. But you have to wait. What does the Bible say? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You probably heard this as a kid for some of my church kids in here. You've heard this as a kid. But I want this to mean it in a different way. If you're in a dry season, if you're in a bad place right now, the Lord is saying, wait on me and I'm going to renew your strength. I'm going to renew you. You just have to wait. And the question is that what are you going to do while you wait? Are you going to complain? Or are you going to pray? Are you going to grumble about it? Or are you going to worship God about it? God wants you to know tonight in this moment that he is willing to meet every need in here because he's a provider the word says that he is Jehovah Jireh he is a provider but you have to believe it maybe it's not material stuff maybe it's something within you that you feel like nobody else sees nobody else cares about God wants to provide that in your life if you're in here and and you've been dealing with the fact that I feel like the, I feel like the, God's not meeting needs in my life and I feel like I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to the stuff that I, I know it kills me, but man, it's, it's nice. It's, it's warm. It's comfortable. It's, it's a place I can go and I feel safe, but it's a false safe house, y'all. It's a false safe house. It's a false place. The only safe place is where God is. Is where you put God. Those things you go to, they don't, they don't satisfy as well as God does. There's a with those satisfactions comes pleasure, but comes shame afterwards. But with God comes refreshment, comes restoration, comes hope, mercy, grace. It follows you when you reach for the Lord. So if you're in here and you feel like God hasn't been providing in your life, and you feel like you want Him to meet needs tonight, that you've been holding back from Egypt, but you're giving God another chance, and you're like, Lord, I need you to meet certain needs tonight in my life. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. See the hand. See the hand. See the hand. See the hand. 
raise it up so I can see him. I see your hand. I see that hand as well. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You can throw your hand back down. To the ones who raise their hands, I want to speak over your life right now. That flimp, that Paul said that God will meet every need in your life. But God's, God's going to provide it. But he wants you to know. He says, hey, believe in it. God wants you to know tonight. Believe in the bread that I'm going to give you, even though you're in the wilderness. Believe in the bread that I'm going to fall from heaven so that you can receive it. I want you to get the bread from heaven. To everyone who raised their hand, I want you to know that God sees you. And God acknowledges. God acknowledges that you need bread from heaven and you've been moaning and groaning and complaining and God sees your pain. He wants you to know, wait on me a bit longer. And I tell you, if you continue to wait on me and wait for me to provide, I'm going to provide more than you could ever imagine. I'm going to provide more than you ever thought you could pray for. Not because I want to spoil you, not, not just because, but because I am your Lord, thy God. God is willing to provide for you. But do you have to believe it? You have to believe it. Father, I pray over every single person that raised their hand, Lord. There, there are some needs, Lord, and it's, it's a struggle because we want to go back to the things that were killing us. But, Lord, it satisfied us. Lord, we pray that you meet something better than what that's causing. Lord, we break every lie of the enemy thinking that you're not here with us and you won't provide because your word is the truth and the enemy is the father of lies. So Lord, we cast down every thought and we, every lying thought, every evil thought, we take it captive in the name of Jesus and we cast it onto you because you're the only one that can take it from us. So Lord, we give these thoughts to you. Lord, we give these feelings to you, Lord, the feelings of, of shame, the feelings of regret, the feelings of going back, Lord. We pray that we don't go back to those places. And that we stay in the wilderness a bit longer to where you can give us the bread that we need. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, thank you that, that even though dry bread is not the best, Lord, the bread that, that it might not be the most delicious bread, but Lord, we know that it's exactly what we need. You know exactly how much we need, when we need it, and the time that we need it. We need to let go of our, of, our, of our feeling of control, Lord. I need to let go of my feeling of control. And I have to let you take the steering wheel. And you provide for my needs. You provide for my will. Lord, I want, you, I want to surrender my control to you. And I pray everyone else in here that is struggling with control, Lord, I pray that you tell them, let go. Let go. To everyone in here who has been holding having your grip on something you can't control, let it go. Let it go. You can't control it, so why bother? Give it to God. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for tonight. Lord, we pray that next week this series hits us well, and I pray Zane brings a word next week. I hope you give him a word that's going to speak to us. Father, I pray for every single student, Lord, I pray that they have a safe trip home. And I pray, Lord, that they rely on you this week. Even though they feel like they, you don't provide, Lord, I pray that you help them to believe it. 
because it's true. But we have to believe it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We honor you in this moment. And we thank you for the revelation of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.